Good evening, everyone. If we haven't met yet, I'm Michaela. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to unpack this passage for us this evening. Um, I just have a real sense of God wanting to grow our faith through this story that, you know, it's so familiar to us. We've probably, um, you know, if we've been around church any amount of time, we've heard this, heard this story. But I think every time there's an opportunity for God to grow our faith through it. Um, so we've been going through the Gospel of John, looking at some of the signs and miracles that Jesus performed um, and asking some big questions that are relevant to our lives. Um, and the question that we're sort of wrestling with today is, can I trust God to provide? And when Stuart asked me about doing this uh, particular preach, I felt like it was a bit of a like... Ooh, in the gut, <laughs> because it's such a um, pertinent question for me and my family this year. Can God provide? Um, do I trust him to provide? And there's, there's lots of areas of transition for us where we are trusting God to provide. Um, and it, it sort of unlocks a, a number of other questions around the character of God, um, around his sort of supernatural intervention in our lives, um, around questions around the, the needs and lack that we see in the world around us. And then, yeah, we layer that with our own personal situations. And I wonder, when you hear this question, can I trust God to provide, what comes up for you? Is there an area in your life where you're really praying and trusting God for something specific? Um, maybe there's an area of your life where you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You feel like God has been speaking and you're taking a risk, um, hoping that he's going to meet you in that. Um, maybe you have things under control and you don't really need God's provision, it seems. Um, maybe you've trusted and been disappointed before and so this question sort of raises some uncomfortable feelings. Maybe the, the, just the concept of trusting God for provision is really foreign and, and unusual. Um, but we're just going to focus on that this evening and see what the Lord wants to say to us. Um, so I'll just pray before we jump in any further. Lord Jesus, we thank you um, that you are provider. Lord, that you see us and our lives and the world around us. God, and you long to meet with us. You long to grow our faith and our trust in you, and you long to provide for us. And God, we just invite you this evening um, to speak to us personally, Lord, about how we can put our trust in you, how we can, um, yeah, partner with you in what you're doing. We just invite you to speak, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the two things I'm sort of going to focus on through um, this sermon is this invitation to join with Jesus, this invitation to, um, to put our trust in him, and then also his provision for us. So I want you, if you can, as I'm going through, to think about that, that sort of niggly thing that's in your heart where the Lord has been speaking to you, where you, he might be inviting you to grow in your faith. Um, firstly, to say that we see the character and nature of God as provider all throughout the scriptures. From the very first um, passages in Genesis, we see um, God providing a companion for Adam. He recognizes Adam's 
um, aloneness and, com- and, and provides a companion for him. Um, when Adam and Eve are ashamed because they're naked, God provides them with clothing. He provides in such um, practical ways. Um, when Abraham is asked to take Isaac up the mountain to be sacrificed, God provides a ram in the thicket. Just there on the mountainside, a ram that they can sacrifice instead. Um, when God's people are trapped in slavery in Egypt, he provides them a leader in Moses. Um, he provides them food and water every day as they journey through the, through the wilderness towards the promised land. In the New Testament, we have loads of verses about God's provision. Um, For example, Matthew 6, we have the really well-known verse, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about what you'll wear or what you'll eat. Look at the birds, look at the flowers. They don't worry about those things. They know the Lord will provide. Even when Jesus is on the cross, he thinks of his mother, Mary, and he, and he says to John about taking care of her. He provides for her even in his own moment of weakness. And we saw a couple of weeks ago when Stuart was preaching um, about Jesus' provision of turning the, wa- the water into wine at a wedding feast. And there are so many other amazing examples of God coming and providing for his people. And in in many of these stories, we see that his provision is preceded by a step of faith. There's there's an invitation to faith in him. There's an invitation to grow in relationship with him, to participate with him. Trusting God to provide is a step towards deepening our faith in him. It's an invitation to release our tightly held control of our lives and our things and to, and to release those needs and longings before him. So I've got a bit, of, a bit of a story to tell you about my own journey of seeing God's provision, and then we'll jump into the passage. So and when I was 21 years old, I had recently recommitted my life to Jesus, and I uh, took a big step and went on an overseas missions trip for six months. I'm from New Zealand, so I left my home and everything I knew and went overseas and I had worked really hard after university to save the money to do that trip um, and it was a it was a huge faith growing step for me um, and during that time when I was away I felt like God kept speaking to me about South Africa and I wasn't in South Africa it wasn't one of the options of any of the places that we went on um, mission or outreach um, but it, it just came up over and over again And I was sort of asking God, you know, where's this open door? Um, What are you speaking about? And at no time during that six months was there any sort of open door for me to go to South Africa. So sort of filed away this sense that God was speaking and wasn't really sure what it was about. The six months ended, I went home. Um, I was back in New Zealand. And a few months later, I had an invitation um, from a couple to join with them on an outreach trip to South Africa to help them with a team of students. And, you know, it felt amazing, like, wow, this must be what God has been speaking to me about all these months before. Um, But the problem was I was completely out of cash because I'd just done this big six-month trip and I had no means of getting myself there. But I really felt like this was what God was saying to me. So I said my feeble yes And I prayed that God would provide. 
I attempted a few little fundraising <laughs> attempts that were quite pathetic. I think I sold ice cream, I did a little garage sale, I made a few hundred dollars, um, but it wasn't quite what I needed to cover um, that full time away. And during that time of praying and trusting, what I thought that God was saying to me, I saw amazing provision. One time I was in a service and someone I didn't even know walked up to me with an envelope and gave me $700 for my flights. Within a few short weeks, all my basic expenses were covered. God had provided, and I guess I was <laughs> going to go and take this big step of faith. And at the time, I had no idea how significant that little um, trip would be for me. What I'd heard about um, South Africa and New Zealand was predominantly horror stories, people, um, reasons people had left the country, crime, um, injustice, and so on. But during my time in South Africa, I fell in love with the country. Um, I had so much hope for the future and for the people there. And I felt that God was calling me to move there as a full-time missionary when I was 22 years old. This was something I had never even imagined or contemplated for my life. I had no idea I would live there for over 12 years. I met my husband there who happened to be from some other random foreign country called England. <laughs> um, our three children were born there, um, and we served there in ministry for, for a long time. That was a really amazing um, thing to get to be a part of. My weak yes to Jesus in the midst of my uncertainty completely changed my life. I won't say I never looked back. I went with trepidation. There were times that were really... Um, challenging where I questioned my decision to go. I'm sure family and friends at home really questioned what on earth I was doing with my life. Um, but I had such a profound sense of God's calling and I um, experienced his provision. And my journey of seeing and trusting God's provision was really only just beginning. Um, my husband and I ended up being volunteer workers there for over a decade running Bible schools. We weren't paid a salary we had to raise our own finances for the work we were involved in. Um, and that looked different in different seasons, sometimes lots of fundraising, sometimes working, um, side jobs, sometimes amazing provision out of nowhere that was just simply miraculous. Um, it was a challenging way to live at times, even more challenging once kids were in the picture. But it was also a rich time, and it taught me a lot about trusting the voice of God of learning to pray the prayer that Jesus teaches us, give us this day our daily bread, and waking up again the next day and trusting him all over again for daily bread. It was a very countercultural way of life to what I'd grown up with. I was raised to be independent and self-sufficient, to not show any sort of need, that when I wanted something, I could work for it. Um, I grew up in the Western world where I, we raised to put my trust in my bank account, in um, insurance and backup plans, in things that I could see and quantify. Um, and none of these are bad things. We, we, but we do tend to put our trust in things we can rationalize, what makes sense. Um, this is the wisdom we're taught as children. It didn't really make sense in my, the worldview I grew up with to trust God to provide um, Praying for daily bread isn't necessary when you've budgeted well and you have a cupboard stocked with food. 
And then we come to the scriptures and we see that Jesus teaches us something different, that he defies those things of our culture. He calls us to give away what we've stockpiled. He calls us to be generous beyond our means. He asks us to believe in faith for things we can't do in our own strength. And he comes and supernaturally acts in the world. He shows up in our lives in ways we can only explain as divine intervention, just as he does in this mountainside meal with these crowds. He calls us to things we might never have chosen for ourselves that we can't always logically explain to others as making sense. For me, and maybe for you, this is an aspect of following Jesus I find completely terrifying and hard at times, but also amazingly comforting and the path to abundant life that we won't find anywhere outside of Jesus. So as we, as we turn into um, this, this passage and this story of the feeding of the 5,000, I just want to pull out some aspects that we see in this story that might encourage us in our own walks of faith and our own trusting in God's provision. Um, in John's gospel, he highlights seven signs or miracles that Jesus performs. And in the end of the gospel, he tells us why. In John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, it says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the, the disciples, but these ones are written so that you may believe and have life in his name. So as we read and engage and retell these stories, John's intention is that we engage with Jesus, his humanity and his divinity, that we um, see his supernatural power working in our natural world and that it, it grows courage in us to live the abundant life that Jesus is calling us to, that faith might rise up in us. So here's a, just a few points that I want to make from this passage. The first one is that Jesus sees our hunger and our human need. In this account, Jesus is the one who turns to Philip at the beginning and he brings up this issue that there's this huge crowd and they have no food. They're going to be hungry. Jesus is intimately acquainted with the basics needs of human beings. He cares for our welfare, for food, water, sleep. He's not, he's not only aware, but he's, he's, he's going to provide. Um, he, he extends hospitality to these people that have come up the mountainside. He's attuned to their needs, and he calls us as his followers to also be attuned to the basic needs of people around us, to care for the hungry, the lonely, the sick. Jesus isn't deterred by our neediness. He meets us right in the midst of it. He's not a magician on a hillside performing random acts of entertainment. He's engaging with people where they're at and what they're really needing, generously offering them a meal in their hunger. Point two, faith precedes the miracle. Jesus invites his disciples to participate with him in this ministry and to have faith for his provision before they see it. In asking them the questions about how are we going to feed these people, he invites them to be a part of what he's doing. He asks his disciples to go and have the people sit down in the grass as if they're going to get food before they get food. This is an invitation for the disciples to trust him, to participate in ministry with him. 
And I think Jesus invites us to do the same, to have faith faith for what he wants to do, even before we see it. And I wonder if for some of you there's a, a hunger or an issue that God is stirring your heart about, maybe a, a big issue where the solution feels so far beyond you and so out of your own capacity. How might God want to partner with you in this? Point three, Jesus sees abundance when we see lack. I don't know about you, but I often, um, like Philip, think, well, there's not enough. There's not enough for me. There's not enough for everybody. Um, but Philip's, and Philip says this. He says, even half a year's wages wouldn't feed all these people. He's like, this logically doesn't make sense. We don't have enough food here. And while Philip sees the natural limitation, God sees beyond that. God sees an opportunity to minister. And we see this kind of thing all throughout Scripture. That in a dry and barren wilderness where there is no food and no water, that God provides food that drops out of the sky and water that comes from the rocks. When Ezekiel looks out and he just sees a valley of dead bones that you know, no life could come from, we see God speaking that, that resurrection life. And of course, ultimately in dying, Jesus reaches out and he offers us life. This is, this is central to our faith. There are areas of our lives where we can't see breakthrough. We can't see a solution. We can't see how God could possibly make something better. And yet God moves into those areas. He works supernaturally. He brings life out of what looks dead. Point number four, Jesus wants us to be generous. Generosity is front and center to this miracle. The little boy gives his lunch. Without that, there, would have, there was no food. And he gives what he has. He's willing to even be hungry himself um, in order that Jesus would feed all of these people. Jesus lets us come and be a part of the amazing things that he is doing. But it might require us to sacrifice something. We might have to give something up and to not hoard things for ourselves. Partnering with Jesus requires us to hold a little looser to our lives and our things. To give and to give generously. And finally, Jesus himself is the provision for us. The meal is undeniably miraculous. There's so much food. They gather up baskets of leftover food. Everyone's eaten as much as they could possibly want to. It fills the tummies of the crowds and they're amazed. But the truth is that fullness doesn't last. The next day we see the crowds are back again. They're asking Jesus for another sign, for another miracle. They want more evidence to trust. And Jesus challenges them by saying, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And he reveals himself as that ultimate bread of life. He's the lasting provision for our hungry hearts. And it's such a lesson because there's so many times that we pray and we beg for God's provision for something and we see him show up and it's amazing and we are filled with faith. 
And then over time, that wonder fades and we have another need and we come again and we're not sure that God is able to provide. At least I know that's true for me. But satisfaction in the material, satisfaction in anything other than him won't sustain us. It won't be the fullness that is lasting. But God himself is this provision for our hungry human hearts. And the impact of this feeding of the 5,000 on the crowds might only be momentary. But I would hazard a guess that for the disciples it has a longer impact. They're the ones that are walking with Jesus day in and day out, that are invited to to ask the questions and to be a part of the miracles. They've given up their lives, they've given up their um, vocations, and they've gone on this journey with Jesus. And I think sometimes we can be like the crowd. We can come for the day, we can be wowed by the miracle, we can have a free meal, and then we get back to our lives. It didn't cost the crowd anything other than maybe a walk up a hill. Um, But the disciples are day in and day out getting involved with Jesus. They're taking risks. They're learning to give away what they've been given. They're deepening their relationship with him and ministering in the world. And the ministry, it might not lead to riches or material wealth, but Jesus says following him is the way to satisfy the empty ache in our hearts and to live abundant lives. And I know, even though it's harder, I know which one I would want to be. I would want to be the disciples that engage with this life with Jesus. Not a one-time thing where they go away and life just goes on as normal. But this day after day following Jesus, learning to trust him. And so I wonder what God is leading you into this year. 2023, is there an aspect of ministry that you feel like God is speaking to you about? Maybe um, there's something going on at your college or in your workplace that feels scary, but that you feel like God is speaking to you. Maybe some sort of ministry God wants you to get involved in. Maybe have a sense that God is shifting you into a new career, but that feels really scary. Maybe you want to volunteer one day a week in a ministry and that means cutting down your work hours and that's a huge financial step for you. Maybe like me, you have a sense of calling into overseas mission and that too feels really scary. Someone recently told me a story about um, a lovely older woman in their church who had felt that Jesus spoke to her about Um, a ministry of knitting a blanket for every baby that was baptized or dedicated in the church. So over a number of years, she spent her pension on wool and knitting baby blankets for every baby that was baptized to bless these families. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. It might be a small thing. Um, I don't know what your thing is, but God does, and he, he wants to walk with you in it. So Um, Yeah, I think that's my challenge to us today, to really partner with God. What is he speaking to us? What what does he want to grow our faith in? And how is he going to meet us and provide us in that? And as I've been thinking about that, the image that comes to mind is this image of God reaching out his hand and us reaching our hands out into his. And there's this lovely poem by Minnie Louise Haskins, which you might have heard of. 
Um, King George quoted it in one of his Christmas Day speeches and made it quite well known. Um, And I just want to read it for us this evening. It's called, I Stood at the Gate of the Year. It says, And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God trod gladly into the night. And I feel like that's, that's my challenge for us today is that we would be willing to put our hands into the hand of God and trust that the things that he's calling us into, whether they make rational, logical sense to everyone around us or not, that we would walk in faith with him, trusting um, trusting that he's calling us and trusting that he is able to provide for us. I know that's a really big challenge for me this year, and I um, yeah, would be really happy to pray with anyone or um, just encourage you guys to share together if that's something that God is stirring in you this evening. So I'll just hand over to Stuart for a response time.